this afternoon. We've got a, a study that's going to require a lot of reading. We're going to spend a lot of our time in Genesis. And the reason I want to spend a lot of our time in Genesis is because we're going to talk about the king with a broken hip. Now, a lot of us may know this king with a broken hip as Jacob. And first, I want to outline a little bit about Jacob so that we could get to know him. Jacob was the father of 12 sons and one daughter, those, those uh, children of his, namely being Joseph and his siblings. We often know Joseph. We can relate Joseph uh, back to Abraham easily. He is the son of Isaac and the grand grandson of Abraham, Jacob is. Jacob is a twin brother to Esau, and he is Rebekah's favored son. We're going to learn all these things in this study this afternoon. And hopefully we can gain some insight, some edification in learning to submit to the Lord's will. And we are going to read, starting in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 27 through 34. The Bible says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. Now we have already learned some very important and significant details about Jacob and Esau. For one, Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. We can picture Esau as a big burly man. It even said out of the womb Esau was covered in hair. He was a very masculine, probably a big strong man. He used his hands and he was good with them. He went and he hunted and he brought back the food, the, the, the game that he killed and provided for the family. Okay, we learned that uh, because of that, he is Esau, or he is, excuse me, Isaac loved Esau because of that reason. Something that Isaac liked about Esau was because he, he killed that game and he brought it in. He was a big burly man. He's probably what Isaac looked for in a son. Now we read, about, uh, we read about Jacob. We read that Jacob was a plain man, it says, dwelling in tents. We read that he sawed pottage or he made soup, but he was Rebekah's favorite son. Now those are some very important details in this story. And we're going we're gonna to realize why as this unfolds, as this chain of events is going to unfold. And so in verse 29, Jacob sawed pottage, or in other words, he has made this soup, and Esau comes from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray with thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am to the point to die, and what profit shall this bring to me? We have witnessed or we have read about the first instance of Jacob trying to deceive someone that was very close to him. And one of the lessons we're going to partake, one of the, I guess you could say one of the side lessons, the side notes we're going to take from this is that godly people have struggles. That's just a fact. Jacob's struggle was that he was very deceitful. And when his brother Esau has come in from the field of hunting, and he says, Brother, give me some of this soup, for I am just about to die. I'm exhausted. I'm about to die. Jacob says, You sell me your birthright, and you can have, you can have you as much as you want. That sly dog. Now, how dirty is that? His brother comes to him about to die. And Jacob says, sell me your birthright. And Esau says, you can have the birthright because if I don't have the soup, I'm not going to live to have it anyway. 
And verse 33, And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware to him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of the lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now Jacob thinks he's sitting on high ground. Now in chapter 26, for time's sake, we're going to paraphrase some of this. In chapter 26, Isaac, the father of the two boys, is old and he's blind. He tells Esau to go find game and prepare a meal so that he can offer his blessing to Esau. Okay? Rebecca, remember, Jacob is Rebecca's favorite son. Rebecca wants Jacob to have this blessing because she thinks he deserves it. She convinces Jacob to kill two goats that were in the pen that had been raised by the family and to take these goats and kill them and prepare a meal for Isaac because she knows that Isaac is blind and she says, just tell him that you're Esau and you'll receive Esau's blessing. That's what we're going to do. That's the master plan so that you can receive the blessing you are going to pretend you're Esau. And I find it interesting. Jacob even says, but he's going to hug me and he's going to know I'm not Esau. There's another example we have that Esau was a big, burly, hairy man. And Isaac knew his boys. So Rebecca says, well, take the hair of those goats and put it on your back, on your neck, and on your hands, and he'll think you're Esau. Okay? So they went to extensive... Um, I guess you could say extensive measures to make sure that Jacob was going to get this blessing and that he was going to convince his dad that he was Esau. Esau blesses Jacob thinking he blessed Esau and Esau finds out Jacob not only stole his birthright but also stole the blessing of his father. And as you can imagine, Esau is downright angry. I don't know if you could say rightfully so, but I mean rightfully so, right? He's been robbed by his brother more than once now. We're going to pick up in chapter 32, and we're going to read verses 1 through 30 and stop between there in different places and various places, and we're going to examine part of this story. I should also mention that was in 26. So between 26 and 32 when he flees the house of Isaac or when he flees his brother Jacob goes to Rebecca tells him go to my brother Laban's house he'll have a job for you he's got a farm he's got a place for you to live and Jacob finds a way to screw that up to mess that up also okay so in verse tw in, in chapter 32 verse 1 we read and Jacob went on his way he's leaving the house of Laban and the angels of God met him and when Jacob saw them he said this is God's host and he called the name of that place Mahanam. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thou shalt ye speak, thus shall ye speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now, and I have oxen and asses, flocks and main servants and women servants, and I have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. So at this point, I don't know if, I, if it was out of uh, a measure of sheer, uh, just desperate, uh, desperate measures looking for some relief, but he has called some of his servants and he says, go to my brother Esau and I want you to offer this, this peace offering. Tell him that I have lots of oxen, tell him that I've got animals, tell him that I've got main, men servants. I don't know why I have a hard time saying that. I have men servants and women servants 
Tell him that I've got a, a, a little, you know, almost a little town flocking around me. And so at this point, I will tell you, Jacob is not yet a king. But with his little regime he has, he's treated like a king. And we'll read that later on. So Jacob has fled Laban with this little, you know, men, women, wagons. He's got a little, a little, uh, a little steam rolling, you might say. And the messenger returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks, and the herds, and the camels, and two bands. Uh-oh. He's done messed up now. Now Jacob's thinking, you know, all I've done by trying to offer that peace offering was let Esau know where I'm at now. And now my brother is coming at me with 400 men. And so what's his response? Well, here's what I'll do. I'll split up my little, my little group of people. I'll split up the flock. One's going to go over here, and we're going to go over here. Now Jacob's smart. Jacob is in the flock of people that's going to be further away from Esau because he said in verse 8, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. Now which one, which company do you think Jacob was going to be in? You see, he had planned it out. But I want to ask you the question, have you ever been there? Let's examine how Jacob was feeling a little bit. He had been kicked out of his home because he... He spitefully lied to his, his father. He completely and utterly destroyed the relationship he had with his brother by deceiving him more than once and taking all the credibility that he had. And now Jacob's saying, uh-oh, boys, the ship is sinking. What are we going to do? What does the New Testament say about this? In John chapter 14 and verse 1, Christ said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I think the believe that Christ was using here was much more than the sense of feeling, uh, of, of having, believing something is true or not. So you see, I think the believe that Christ used here was a believe of trust. If you believe in God, if you trust in God, then believe or trust also in me. That's what he was telling his disciples. And later on, Thomas asked him, well, if you're going to leave, then where shall we go? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9, it says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. You say, Warren, this is Old Testament. I know this is Old Testament, but you know what? Our God does not change. He may communicate different with us now than he did then, but our God is with us. 
And the Holy Spirit is with us this afternoon. The Holy Spirit is not only here in Wheeler, Texas, but the Holy Spirit is in Belize, in Nigeria, back home in Tishomingo, Oklahoma, where I, where I congregate there, where I attend. And that's a blessing that sometimes can go unseen or unthought of. The word dismayed here, I'm not going to try to pronounce that word, I'll make a fool out of myself. It is a primitive root properly to prostrate, hence to break down either literally by violence, figuratively by confusion and fear, to abolish a fright, or to be make or made afraid, amaze, beat down, discourage, or cause to dismay, to go down, scare, or terrify. Now let's go back to that verse. Let's use the word terrify there at the end. Be not afraid, neither be thou terrified, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Let's use the word afraid. Be not afraid, or be not afraid. It's simple put, isn't it? You can use any of those words there. Be not discouraged, be not dismayed. In other words, trust in the Lord God with all your heart. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but that in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Again, I'm not going to pronounce that word, but the careful there is to be anxious about, to be or have care, or to take thought. To be anxious about something might be like crossing a highway with six lanes in it. When we cross a six-lane active highway, that's a little nerve-wracking, isn't it? And in life, when we get a little anxious because the ship feels like it's just sinking, where do we go? Have you ever been there before? I imagine each and every one of you have been in here before in that position. I imagine every one of you that have seen the, the penny in the parking lot have also been at some point in your life where you felt like the ship was just a rocking and a rolling and it was about to go down. I imagine that's how Jacob felt. I saw a, uh, I guess it was kind of a TED talk. I don't know if everybody in here knows what those are. I don't know very much about them. Kind of a motivational speaker type of thing. And he had up on the screen behind him, he had a picture of, it was him sitting in his pickup, but the picture was of a Cincy hanging from his rearview mirror. And in the background, he was in, you could tell he was in a parking lot. He was a, uh, maybe at a, a shopping store, maybe a Walmart or something like that, you could see a vehicle in the background. He said, now I want to examine this picture. And we're, we're about to find out how many of you are creative and can picture this in your mind. He said, this Cincy looks a whole lot bigger than that car in the background, doesn't it? He said, well, how did I fit the Cincy in my vehicle if it's so much bigger than the car? He said, well, I didn't. The sense he just seems to be bigger. And why so? Because I'm closer to it. He said, you see, when we're closer, when we sit closer to our problems, those problems seem a whole lot bigger than they really are. But when we get out of the pickup and we go sit by the car and we look at the, at the sensi from this car that's in the background of the picture, you can barely see the sensi. He said it's the same way with our problems. 
when we back up and when we view the big picture, then your problem almost isn't even there. And I'll tell you this morning, when we back up and when we get closer to God and when we pray about it a little more, when we go to our brother and sister in Christ and talk about them, talk to them about it a little more, then that problem slowly dwindles down. And it seems like it's not even that big of a deal anymore. Back to Jacob's story in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the ford Jabbok. And he took them and he sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. So understand, Jacob knows that Esau's coming after him. And he's preparing for it. He's going to try to deceitfully once again slip out of the fingers of terror. In verse 24, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go. For the day breaketh, and he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Jacob said, and he said to him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for, he has, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Now this is an interesting part of the story. We get kind of a turning point here. Matter of fact, we get a huge turning point here. We can observe in verse 24, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. This was a wrestling match that lasted all night. The breaking of the day could be considered the sunrise. Okay? When he saw that he prevailed not against him, that tells us that this was a wrestling match that not only lasted all night, but that was chomping at the bit all night. This wasn't a necessarily a, let's put him in a chokehold and hold him here all night long and see how long he lasts. This was a, this was a drawn out fight. Okay, and Jacob says, let, let me go except thou bless me. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Now we don't necessarily, I don't think we, I've talked to David about this a little bit. Or maybe Joe Willingham, I don't remember which one it was, you'll know. We don't necessarily know who this was that was fighting with Jacob all night long. Whether it was an angel of the Lord or whatever it might be, it was something of the Lord. A wrestling match that lasted all night long and finally Jacob was touched on the hip and it jerked his hip out of socket. He fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. And finally, he was done. We can fight as much as we want. We can try to, try to control how, how our lives go. And it works sometimes. 
But at some point or another, you're going to be broken if that's the way you live. Because at some point or another, we have to be broken to learn, to submit. In verse 31, it says, And he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. He limped. I don't know how many of you or... or I don't know how many of you have dealt with hip issues or have witnessed someone that dealt with hip issues. My grandpa had a hip replacement. And they can tell you, you know, it's, it's going to be just like brand new. Maybe for some people it is, but it's liable to make a man miserable. In Psalms chapter 139, verses 1 through 4, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou hast knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but O Lord, thou knowest it all together. I think at this point, David was acknowledging that he had been broken and that the Lord knew his thoughts and his mind. The Lord has searched his soul. Later on in this chapter is where he says, Lord, search my soul, try my reins in my heart, and let, there be, let me know if there be any wicked way in me. That's what happens. That's what happens when we, when we have a humble heart, when we learn to submit, and after we have been broken, when we realize, you know what, I can't do this on my own. In chapter 33 and verse 1, After Jacob has fought all night long and had his hip jerked out of socket, it says he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men, and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after, and Rachel and Joseph hindermost. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times, until he came near to his brother. There's not much of a fight left, is there? And Esau ran to meet him, and he embraced him, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw the women and the children, and said, Who are those with you? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Jacob has been broken and he has submitted. Not only has Jacob been broken and has submitted, but Esau has come back and hugged his brother on the neck like he should have. They left on bad terms. This whole time, Jacob's thinking, my brother's going to come kill me. That's what he's going to do. Because I took everything from him. He knew he was in the wrong And that's why he was so anxious and so worried and so panicked. But after he submitted, his brother comes and hugs him on the neck. And his brother asks him, who are these people with you? And I want to point out that Jacob said, the children which God hath graciously given thy, who is thy, being Esau's servant, being Jacob. Jacob has admitted, he has confronted himself, and he has told Esau, 
I'm yours, man. I've got nothing left to fight for. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, we read, for by, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Nothing you can do this morning can save you. There's nothing you can do. Because it's not what we do, it's what Jesus does. It's what Christ does. It's what he has done for us, and it's what he still does each and every day that we walk this earth. Because although we have been in the boat like Jacob, where it's starting to crash and the waves are getting high, and although we have been in the spot that Jacob was, where we are about to be confronted by our greatest fear at that time in our life, Christ will do the same thing that Esau did. As long as you have been washed in his blood, he's going to come up and he's going to hug you on the neck. And he's going to say, I've been waiting for you, brother. He's going to say, I've got these thousands and thousands of angels, these men, this army. And I wanted you to see it. I wanted you to be a part of it, is what Esau was telling Jacob. Nothing you can do this morning can save yourself, but Jesus can. And we won't be anywhere until we learn to submit to that. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.